All right, people of Earth, if you can hear my voice, you have arrived at another episode of Brentless with Brent Pope. I am your host, Brent Pope, and boy, oh boy, my guest today, he is multi-talented. He's a host, he's an actor, he's a musician, he's a great gambler. He hosted a History Channel show called Food Tech. He fronts a number of bands, the Piper Downs, the Bogner Brothers. He hosts the Surviving Hollywood Podcast, so we will delve into all of that. And let me tell you, we had a tremendous breakfast from one of my favorite sandwich joints, Mendocino Farms. So buckle up, because we have a Piper Down. We have a Piper Down. And we also have Bobby Bogner today on breakfast. Pick it up. Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Breakfast. This young lady just smashed the lids on all these cakes in the bakery section. I could go on a Hallmark card. <laughs> My uh, guest today. Oh, I'm going to need to hear all about that. I didn't need any extra sausage. He adds character to my crew. <laughs> Is a goat pit a real thing? What? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Great place to hang out and good food, too. I'm always playing blue collar guys. Breakfast. Somebody screw through the pipe. I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. I love a crawler. All yeah. my uncles got the gout. Jalapeno slash cheddar waffles. Who doesn't love that? It's Breakfast Time. Breakfast. The only show where bacon, pancakes, Hollywood. I'm your host, Brent Pope. Bobby Bogner, welcome to Breakfast. Brent, thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to be on this side of the microphone for your show. <laughs> well, you're very well versed with being on the microphone. Like as we said, you're, you you've hosted many many things. I think we met. If, I, I could be wrong, but I think we met at a poker game, Ben Vegas. I think that's where we first. <laughs> yeah, met. our friend used to host a uh, a home poker game at the big poker, poker boom during the '90s, and I think that you and I had mutual friends, and we sat down at the table, and you probably cleaned my clock. In the in, uh, in the no. introduction, you said something about I'm a great gambler, and let me just tell you, if I was a great gambler, I wouldn't do anything else. Uh, but it is my gambling probably that makes me work so hard doing other things. Well, look, I consider you a great gambler. <laughs> <laughs> if we're just talking comparatively speaking, yes, I, I yes, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I got. I think it's good for better or for worse. It is it is a good thing that I don't remember your poker playing so much from that time. So either. You're an assassin who I remember as a fun guy to play with, which is the single greatest character trait for a poker player. Or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just don't remember how terrible you was you were, so I'm not happy to I'm not I don't can't remember any stories of where I bluffed you out of a big pot or sent you home broke or something. It was probably uh a little bit of A and a little bit of B. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will say this. You are I find to be an intimidating person to play poker against. Oh wow! Because you're because I find you're, and not any more than now that I really know you. But when I first met you, I was like, this guy just seems so confident, and uh, the looks that you give people during poker, I'm just like, <laughs> oh man, I think he knows what I have. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, man, you did not. Look, if but, I have if I have uh, a strength in poker, uh, and my brother who who I play the most with, who he and I talk about hands, talk about play you know, critique each other. If I have a gift, it is recognizing the hand that you're holding, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now my weakness, and I shouldn't tell this to anybody, but my weakness is that then I want to prove how right I am. So if I know you have me beat, if I, if I'm convinced that you have ace jack of hearts on a three hard board, uh, then I am going to call you knowing I'm beat just to prove that I had that read, right? <laughs> which is a horrible leak in an otherwise strong game. Right. 
you just have to know it's that that tops uh, you winning the you uh, losing less money in the hand. That's right. <laughs> Years ago, I, I learned that uh, being right all the time isn't great for uh, relationships, and so I, you know, I, I kind of brought that back in my relationship. Uh, but at the poker table, uh, sometimes I just have to be right, and I will pay it off, and then feel good about knowing it's right, and then beat myself up immediately for paying you off. God, that's so interesting that you say that um, you, you really like to be right. And I, ha- I, I, you and I have that same gene, man. And if you talk about in relationships too, I used to be the guy that had to be right. Oh, does that mean that my relationship's going to fail? Um, you know, there's a, there's a Ben Fold song where he says, uh, I'm lonely and I'm right, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm right. Am I right? Yeah, I'm lonely and I'm right. Yep. That's, that's the lyrics. Uh, you know, there's, so also, there's also a uh, Ben Fold's Five lyric unrelated to this conversation, but, mm-hmm. but that it's Ben Fold's Five where he says, well, I thought about the army. Dad said, man, you're fucking high. <laughs> yeah. That always stuck with me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love the part in that song where he says, grew a mustache and a mullet, got a job at Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. <laughs> Citing artistic Citing. differences, the band broke up in May and in June reformed without me. And they got a different name. <laughs> so great. Oh, can we, so sad. To, can we turn this into a Ben Folds 5 lyric podcast? That would be uh, rad. We could. Look, I have seen Ben Folds more than any, Ben Folds and Ben Folds 5 right. more than any band in the world. Oh, really? That's my jam. Wow. Yeah. And I also I don't get um, I don't get too starstruck when I meet people, but I turn into an absolute idiot when I meet Ben Folds, yeah. and I make it worse every single time it happens. Because <laughs> well, I met I him once I, waiting tables. I, so uh, years ago, I waited tables for years. It was my honestly my favorite job, other than hosting the TV show. I loved waiting tables. And uh, Ben Folds Five, Ben Folds, Ben Folds Five. That is his new last name. Five is his last name. <laughs> Uh, ben Fold sat down at my table, and I never get starstruck either. And he was one guy I had to say, uh, "Mr. Folds, it's a pleasure to see you." And uh, you know, I saw you at the Cat's Cradle in North Carolina back in you know '94, and I saw you at this place and this place because I've seen him, I think, six times. I think I've seen him four times with Ben Folds, five and twice solo. And, uh, wow. and yeah, that was one thing. And all I said was, "I love you, and I love your music." And da da da. But I felt like such a dumbass because you know that's the server no no in Hollywood. And I never did that with anyone else. I've, you know, I've waited on a million other people, and I don't think I've ever said anything to anyone else except for Ben Folds. So that's an interesting yeah. coincidence. Well, I want to shout out Ben Folds because he had a thing that I love that helped me get through some of the quarantine, which was his, I, th- I believe it was called Saturday Morning, uh, Saturday Morning Concerts, Saturday Mornings at the Apartment Concerts or something uh-huh. that he would just do. He would go for like 90 minutes, and people would just request stuff, and he would drink beer <laughs> and spill his beer and stuff and just – Go for 90 minutes. Yeah, I think he called uh, that Saturday he's... apartment requests, right? Saturday apartment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Saturday apartment requests. I should I should know. I, I bought the I, I bought the t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, I, I'm I first saw Ben Folds at uh, a bowling alley in Omaha called the Ranch Bowl, which does not exist anymore. So <clears throat> I yeah, that that was back in '94. Also, so is that why you're anyway. obsessed with uh, bands playing in bowling alleys? Uh, I feel well, like you know, I've heard you brought, bring that up a few times. Well, because the other time I went to a bowling alley was also Ben Folds out here in was it is it called Eagle Rock? Yeah, bowl? was that Mr. T's bowl? Yeah, yeah, I've played there. Yeah, he uh, he played there with it was him, Weird Al, and oh. uh, is it Glenn, the lead singer of Toad the Wet Sprocket? Oh yeah, Glenn uh, Coates, yeah. 
Glenn. Yeah. Something. No, it's not Coates. What is it? Glenn. I'll come up with it. I'm not. It was those three. It was it was Benfold's five. It was Benfold's and those two uh, playing at the bowling alley. But the first time I met Benfold, quickly. Glenn first Phillips. time I met Benfold. Sorry, Glenn I, Phillips. my head would have exploded if I hadn't spit it out. Yeah. So the first time I met him, uh, if I you want to say this is meeting him, he came off the second stage at Lollapalooza, probably like 95, 96, something like that. And as he, I was just so amped to see him live because he, he was touring with like a the little six-piece uh, string thing and Ben Folds 5. And he came off the stage. He ran right by me as they do when they're, you're on those second stages. And I go, you guys kick ass. <laughs> and he gave me the look of like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And I was like, no, Ben, I love you. So when I saw him at that second bowling alley, I got to meet him again. And I was like, and I had the, it was a whole George Costanza plan where I was like, okay, I'm going to say this and it's going to totally redeem myself from last time. So I you said, said, you guys hey sucked. No, I said, hey, Ben, last time I met you, I said that you guys kicked ass. And oh, so he's solo now. I have to set up the story. He's not with Ben Folds 5 anymore. Hey, Ben, last time I met you, I said that you kicked ass and you still kick ass, even though there's less guys. <laughs> <laughs> and did he correct your grammar and say, no, it's fewer guys? No, he didn't. Oh, okay. He just looked at me disapprovingly <laughs> again. And if, and when you come over to my house sometime, I'll show you. There's a picture of me taking a picture with him at that time, and I look insane. Like, <laughs> So anyway, that's my long and storied history with Ben Folds. Okay, well, I'll tell you, that's one thing that I feel like I do better than Ben Folds uh, because, you know, I played with a rock band for over 20 years called the Piper Downs, and yeah. if anyone ever told me we rocked, I said, thank you, you fucking rock. So I think that nice. I nailed that. We need to work on nice. that. Because I can't have a fan <laughs> feeling guilty until the next time they see me running off stage. Oh. To to be to be clear, it was just my thing because he has that whole thing where people yell. Uh, they do it all the time at his shows. Now they they yell "rock this bitch" because somebody did that one time and then he made up a song. And then so, but uh, it was just my own thing, my own insecurity. But Ben Folds is cool. I'm sure he is. Anyway, that's what I'm thinking in my head. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so Bobby Buckner, I think you are known equally as uh, a host and a musician in in my mind to to most people mm-hmm. um and i've seen you mostly as a front man which is kind of like the host of a band right 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 uh do you remember when you kind of discovered that you had the talent for being kind of the person that's in front and center and leading uh gosh you know brent how how did you just ask me my first question that I've never been asked before. That is crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, I think since I was a kid, I just always wanted to be performing. You know, I, I was always the volunteer in class to sing or to, you know, do the presentation on the 4th of July dressed as Uncle Sam or to play the, the fish in the school play. I mean, I was just always ready to perform. And when I first started playing music, um, I was singing other people's songs. So not just cover songs, but like the band that I was in before the Piper Downs, Hanover Fisk, which, you know, got a little bit of uh, traction on the East Coast when I was a kid and we put out a couple records and stuff. Uh, that was a really uh, a thing where I was just the front man and I wasn't uh, writing songs for the most part. I, I mean, I did write my first couple songs with Hanover Fisk, but I was uh, singing the songs of a songwriter named Mike LaRue. And... We have uh, we were together for years and years, and we started when we were like fourteen or fifteen, and then you know broke up when we were twenty three. We broke up on stage in front of I don't know five or six hundred people. We played uh, you know three songs of our set, and uh, we got in a fight on stage. 
and half the band walked off the stage and we broke up. And I said to myself, I was heartbroken. It was horrible. You know, I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with these guys. And, uh, and I said, boy, I'm never going to, uh, answer to anyone else musically again. Mm. I am going to be the, the guy. So the next thing I do is going to be all my songs, my vision, you know, what I say goes. And that's how the Piper Downs got started. Uh, luckily, I grew up a lot in the first few years and we became a lot more collaborative. Um, but yeah, I think that from a young age, I wanted to be in front. I was happy to shoulder that load um, and take the good and the bad that comes with that. Uh, and so, yeah, I think probably my whole life, my dad tells the story of how, you know, when I was a kid, when I was five or six years old, you know, people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I said, I want to live in Hollywood. And that was my job. And I think that that just kind of shows you that from the beginning, I wanted to be, I wanted to be performing. Wow. And you grew up in Virginia, right? Yeah. Richmond, Virginia. Um, I was born in Miami. Uh, I'm sorry. I lied. I just lied to you. I flat out lied to you. I was born in North Carolina, <laughs> lived in Florida, Miami for the first few years of my life till I was uh, about nine. Then I moved to Virginia and I was there from until I was 23 and moved to L.A. Um, but, yeah, okay. that's kind of the, where the formative years were, Richmond, Virginia. And that's where I met wow. the Piper Downs. Actually, we all went to school together. We were acting majors at uh, Virginia Commonwealth University and at VCU. We all hung out and goofed around and we were all playing in different bands. And when I moved out to Los Angeles and had broken up with uh, Hanover Fisk and was heartbroken, I uh, reached out to those guys and said, hey, do you want to get together and, you know, record some stuff just for fun? I'll fly back out to Richmond and we'll, we'll record some stuff. And and it went so well that they contacted me like two months later and said, hey, we want to move out to Los Angeles and be your band. And that's how we started a 21-year run. Wow. Now, I, I have to say that story about breaking up on stage is that's insane. Yeah. And how, I mean, what, uh, if you want to talk about it, what was the, what was the argument that was had that just, I mean, was it boil? Obviously it was boiling over. I mean, it was already in the background, I guess, before this happened. Oh yeah. This was not, this was not, it's not a spontaneous. <laughs> I didn't know you. I didn't even know you like Cheerios. I'm out of here. Right. Well, we had no. signed, we had signed a record deal with this little independent label on the East coast. Um, we were finally after five or six years making, you know, decent money at shows. Um, we were touring a little bit and things were just starting to happen. And at that point, uh, you know, a couple of the guys had issues with substance abuse and, um, and Mike LaRue, that songwriter that I told you whose songs I just loved singing. And I thought he was just so wonderful and all that kind of stuff. He, he wanted to be a front man. And I think that there was, you know, we were kids for Christ's sake. I was, you know, 22 or 23, and we had been together for seven years. So that's, you know, that's a young wow. person's band, an immature person's band. So I think that all of us had our youthful issues. In my head, it was, oh, we can get through anything because we're a family. And instead, what happened was, and as, as I recall it, they might have completely different memories of this. But as I recall it, you know, we were on stage at a place called the Flood Zone in Richmond, which was like the premier non-theater venue there. That was like the club that everyone wanted to play. There was a big, a great name. big crowd there. And, um, and we played like three or four songs. And as I recall it, there was an audible and my guitar player said, Oh, let's play this song. And I said, I don't want to play that song. It's not on the set list. And, uh, he said, we're going to play this song. And I said, well, I'm not going to sing it. 
And then he took his guitar, threw it on the ground and said, I don't want to play with you guys anymore. And my bass player walked off with him. And so I was just left with my guitar player and my drummer. And we said, well, let's try and do a song. So we did one more song as a three piece, which we'd never done before. And then we said, I guess this is it. And we walked off stage and we got backstage and it was just like, I don't want to play with you anymore. I don't want to play with you anymore. And I'm saying to everybody, we have a record. We have tour dates. We, you know, we're a family. Yeah. And they just said, no, we want to do our own thing. So, uh, those two guys kind of split off and did their own thing for a little while. Um, and in eight weeks, I was in Los Angeles with my buddy, Bill. Uh, we, we had both broken up with our girlfriends. My band had broken up and we said, hell, what the, what are we doing in Virginia? And so we, we moved out to LA weeks later and that's where we get started with the second part of the story. Wow. I was a big fan of your uh, History Channel show, Food Tech, which you were the host of. Thank you. Um, which basically took, I guess, uh, usually American meal, me, a, a certain meal, and then they would, and you would go and show us where every single piece of that meal came from. And I got to say, as a person that uh, we already talked about this, where we both kind of love uh, knowing little trivia, the fact that I could then be like, well, did you know that they do this with the lettuce? And <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that. I love that about the show. And, and you did such a great job on it. How was your experience working on that show? Oh, it couldn't have been any better. And I will tell you that it made my life different in many great ways. It's because of food tech that I was able to travel so much. It's because of food tech, I was able to buy my own restaurant and open that. Um, it was because of food tech that I did other shows for travel channel and, you know, stuff like that. Um, the experience was fantastic. I love telling the story of how I got the gig. I was on this website called Chowhound, which was a restaurant review site. Yeah. And, uh, and there was a posting up that said something like, you know, history channel is looking for, you know, a foodie or a chef or something to host a new special. Um, and at that point it was called made to eat. And, uh, and it was just a one, you know, one episode thing. And so I responded to this post on a, on a public web page and got a response saying, Hey, fill this out and we'll contact you if we're interested. They called me up and asked me to come down and do a, you know, a demo basically, you know, I, what I came up with was the history of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You know, I shot it in this casting agent's office and, you know, she said, Hey, where did you hear about this gig? Who's your agent? And I said, Oh, I don't have an agent. I just answered it on the, this website. And she said, no, you didn't. And I said, yes, I did. And she said, not five minutes after I posted this, uh, they pulled it and emailed me saying, don't put any more auditions on our website. We're supposed to be about restaurant reviews. And she says, not only are you the only one who responded to it, you might have been the only one who saw it. And I said, well, then I think I'm destined to get this gig. And she, she laughed, you know, it was funny. And a couple of weeks later, they called me up and said, Hey, we want to see you again. We want to do a, you know, a sizzle, five minute sizzle. And, you know, and it just went from there and it took a few months, but then I got the gig for the one show. One episode, which was supposed to be a special. It was a spinoff of Modern Marvels. I don't know if you remember Modern Marvels. I never saw that show. Uh, it was on for 14 years. It was the number one rated show on yeah, history. I, I'm, honestly, I'm not a big History Channel. Like, probably Food Tech's the only History Channel show. Yeah, I've there you seen. go. That's the kind of man I like. That's what I like. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it took a while. And then, you know, I took two weeks off of work. I was working at the Getty Museum. 
And I took two weeks off to shoot the pilot, which, which we didn't know was a pilot. We thought it was a one-time thing. And before we were even done shooting the first one, they ordered two more. And then before we went into production on the first two, they ordered a season and it just kind of snowballed. And so I really, what I can tell you is that no one would ever say you could get a job like that randomly. Um, And so I just say, man, take every opportunity that comes your way. You know, if you see something that even might be good for you, give it a shot because it could really change your life. Absolutely. And I would say that even though it seems kind of random, it wasn't random. You saw the post. You took the, you know, maybe a lot of people did see it, you know, Uh, but you were there at the right place, right time. And you also, you had to have killed it in that audition. Otherwise, you know, it it still would have been just like, yeah, that's the weird guy that (laughs) posted online. But you didn't, you killed it. And then it turned into a whole thing. And that's, look, that's what it's all about, man. Making the most of your opportunities, right? And making your opportunities. And recognizing opportunities. Right. Yep. Because what I would have hated was to have seen that show on the air with one of the other guys who was up for it. And there were some big dudes up for this and gone, oh, shit, I didn't even fill out that application. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's congrats on them. That's a great story. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. I also I'm a fan of Surviving Hollywood, too. It's a it's a podcast about the business of Hollywood. It's it's very similar to this podcast, kind of without the. Uh, food component, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, and you also have a uh, like one of the producers. I think also is on with you sometimes. Yeah, well, she's she's there with me all the time. She's just more. Uh, she's just happier to chime in sometimes. Uh, right, <laughs> but yeah, she's she's worked in uh, Robin, right? Yeah, Robin Raiden is her name. She's uh, been a news producer and an entertainment news producer for you know fifteen twenty years, something like that. And when she came up with this idea and asked me to host it, I said absolutely. And so, surviving Hollywood. Um, you know, came about and we said, you know, look, there's tons of people who talk to the actors um, and the performers. And, and while there is a small subset of people who talk about the other parts of it, that's the part that really interests us because the business of Hollywood is fantastic and exciting and cutthroat and gross, uh, but never not interesting. So we made it our focus to bring in, you know, producers and audio engineers and cameramen and, uh, you know, we have like, we interviewed the number one hair guy in Hollywood, which was one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> um, because I learned about something that you don't even think about, you know, this guy, uh, you know, did all the, uh, hunger games movies. And so, you know, he, he said, Oh yeah, for this one, we made 540 individual hair pieces for this one scene. And you go, Holy God, you don't even think about that. Right. It's just the background scene in some big movie you're out seeing with your girlfriend or your husband or your kids. And you go, Oh no, someone had to conceive of 500 different hairstyles and then turn them into wigs for this scene. So, so yeah, the the kind of minutia that goes into real Hollywood productions is it is super interesting to me. And so that's why I was happy to do surviving Hollywood. Before we go any further, we had breakfast from Mendocino farms. One of my favorite sandwich joints in Los Angeles. Bobby, you had the Mendo's original pork belly banh mi. Tell me about that. Oh, I thought this was really solid. Um, you know, I think that a l- now I can go pretty deep on food. Just I, I want you yeah. to know that. I know this. Okay? So what <laughs> I'm going to say is that that banh mi from Mendocino Farms was very solid. Okay. I, I thought that it was great. Now, a lot of people would try it and say, oh, that's not a banh mi right? Let's talk about banh mi for just a second. That's a Vietnamese sandwich that was influenced by the, you know, French occupation of Vietnam. So a lot of people will try that sandwich and say, if there's not a baguette, it's not 
upon me. And then the rest of it, you know, usually there's some kind of protein, which in Vietnam is some kind of pate or head cheese or something like that, or ham if they're really lucky, pickled vegetables, um, you know, jalapeno, usually cilantro. Uh, there's a lot of layers of flavor in a banh mi. And I think that Mendocino Farms did a really nice job on the flavor profile. Where they, where they slipped up just a little bit for me was I had the first half of my sandwich and I said, oh, okay, they've nailed the cookery on the pork. It's a pork belly was the protein and yeah. the pickles are nailed, but there's no heat. And, and I said, oh, I could really use some jalapeno in this thing. And then I got to my second piece and all the jalapenos were on the second side and they uh, nailed it. So it was more of an execution issue. But I will tell you that absolutely, I don't know what was paid for it. If it was 10 bucks or whatever, it's worth it. It's a great sandwich and it's highly recommended. That said, I will do a lot more podcasts for people if they bring me a sandwich. <laughs> well, uh, did you have look, the same sandwich? I no, I did not. I, I, I do want to say this before we move on to my sandwich. You you mentioned that it's not on a baguette. They have it on what they call a, a pressed ciabatta. Correct. Right? Yeah. Um, and you nailed all the you nailed. Look, I didn't even read you the the list of ingredients because I I, I got it from their website. And I was like, you nailed every single thing <laughs> from there. Uh, when food's your thing, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I gotta say, I, I had you get that sandwich because it's my favorite sandwich there, and I was like, I know Bobby's gonna love this. Yeah. So I had the Peruvian steak sandwich. Which was uh, it had a spicy aji amarillo, uh-huh. which it, like AJI, right? Yeah, AJI. It's not aji right. tuna. It's aji. It's like a it's like a yellow paste, right. kind of right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's aji amarillo marinated steak with Oaxacan cheese, uh, herb aioli, onions, red onions, uh, tomatoes, shredded romaine, lettuce on a pressed torta bun. Mm-hmm. Um, so a soft was, white roll, real soft white roll, right? Yeah, right. And I, you know, I can't. I, what do you know? What the difference between a torta bun is and like a regular bun? What is the? Oh God, I wish I was a bakery guy. I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I know. I know when I taste it, what it tastes that this is what they put torta on, but I can't tell you. But it is kind of a soft bun. You're right. Um, had a lot of heat, uh, a lot more than the the banh mi. Right. And actually, the banh mi, I don't really ever notice the heat. I mean, I love it because of the the flavor profile is great. More heat would be cool, but I don't ever notice it. But this one, I definitely noticed the heat. Right. So, but it was a nice sandwich. It was one of those where I tried to cut it in half, and I was like, oh, I need a better knife because this meat is nice and thick. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so that's what I took out of it. Um, well, yeah, it was super yeah, this... solid. And the only thing that I kept thinking of, I hope you don't mind I just cut you off because no. I'm a jerk guest. On Please your do so. Um you know, I know that this is kind of a stretch for this, but I, I want to talk a little bit about um, cultural appropriation uh, with food. Because mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of people out there that will say that calling that sandwich a banh mi is, you know, socially inappropriate. Right. Um, I'm not one of those guys, right? I, I think that um, sharing food is one of the greatest ways to share your culture. And when we say things like, oh, you know, that that guy shouldn't be making tacos because it's not, you know, he, he wasn't brought up making tacos. It it really bothers me. It's kind of like saying, Oh, that painter can't paint with that color. And, and I have personal friends who have suffered in their businesses, you know, being told that, that they shouldn't be white guys making ethnic food. Um, and, and that kind of thing I think is so limiting when food can bring us together in such, you know, beautiful ways. And I realize that's a little tangent, but that's a big 
uh, a big issue in food right now and something that, that really bothers me. And I think it's, it's a short-sighted thing that's trying to show respect and in, instead it may hold us back from coming together in ways that we could. That's that's interesting that you say that because I you know I actually read the description on their website and it said it was a playful take on upon me mm-hmm. and I look I don't sometimes in food I think you can't win either way because <laughs> if they if they didn't mention it was a bon me then they'd be like oh they just stole the bon me and added one different thing right or or if they say it's a bon me they said that's not a bon me so it's you know look food like you said it brings us all together these are foods that. Some people would would never uh, get to enjoy uh, if 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 you didn't go to Mendocino Farms. If you live in Los Angeles, you might never get to go to Vietnam and get a, a you know a authentic banh mi. Right. Um, so I think that the sharing of it, right, like you said, it brings us together. It exposes us to more things, and you know, no one. <laughs> I mean, look, people say that spaghetti is Italian, but the pasta was invented by the Chinese like a thousand years before that, right? So, you know, I mean, that's... If we didn't have any of that blending, right, we wouldn't have any of the food we have today. You know, we'd just be stuck in America with corn and beef and potatoes, and that's what we would eat all the time. And if you're on the coast, you'd eat some seafood. Um, I mean, it's it's not bad, those three things. No, 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 those are great. But can you but imagine yeah. never having tasted Lomo Soltado, never having tasted Peking oh, duck, yeah. never having tasted, you know, duck a la ranche? There are so many things that come from other cultures that have then influenced the way we eat, the way we socialize, the way we communicate. And to me, the more colors that you can paint with, the better. And yeah. if you choose to make monochromatic uh, pointillism, where you're just doing black on white canvas, that can be your expression. But I want to be the one who takes all the colors and makes what I and, and makes the painting that I want you to see. Yeah. Well, I want to mention a couple of things. Look, we 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 love uh, Minnesota Farms. It's great. Uh, one thing I want to mention is I just had Lomo Sotado the first time like a couple days ago because there's a Peruvian place by my house that I really love, uh, Takatis. Uh, so that's great. I'm glad you mentioned that. And also I want to mention, look, you're one of the only two people that has been to my house during quarantine. And we were very socially distanced. And, uh, you know, uh, you came over. My team, the Kansas City Chiefs, was playing later. So I said, hey, you want to watch the your, your team, the Miami Dolphins? And so you came over. And your lovely wife, Mayette, made me a Filipino breakfast, and you guys know, the fans of the show know how much I love a Filipino breakfast. But this, <laughs> I would have paid good money for this for this Filipino breakfast. It was fried rice. It was spam. Uh, remind me what else is in there. There was, I think, sausage. Uh, yeah, I think, she, um, yeah, she had some of the, uh, oh, God, what is the Filipino sausage called? I know there's there was some to- tocino in there. Tocino, tocino, uh, and there was uh, fried eggs. Yeah. Longanisa. Man, it, it was. I was. If you had not been there, Bobby, I would have licked. I would have licked that container <laughs> clean. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm one of those guys that'll never tell you not to lick the plate clean. But yeah, I mean, this is a great time for me to brag about my wife. You know, she's an incredible chef. Uh, you know, she's a professional chef, and uh, you know, one of her passions is making Filipino food. And so when I said I was going over to watch a game at your place, and she knew that you had a hankering for Filipino breakfast, she whipped something up for you that. And I had that too. Let me just tell you, if you went to a restaurant, it would not be as good as that. <laughs> as that no, was. it would not. Wow. What, anyway. What are the things about Filipino food that you that you gravitate toward? 
Um, I'm pretty basic. I mean, I like um, if I'm if I'm getting fruit. I do like the the ube stuff made with ube. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, I like the there's a place I go called Creme Caramel where I can get the pandasol, mm-hmm. which I love having with some coffee or a or a ube horchata, which you can also get at <laughs> Creme Caramel. Things like that. Um, I love spam. Yeah. I do. Um, I love spam. I love the tocino. My mom makes great fried rice. Uh, she makes you know the, the pancit, all those things. It, uh, and not, look, nothing is better than if you have, if you're having the lechon, which is like when you're roasting the actual pig and you're eating that it fresh oh, off God, of the, yeah. you know, nothing better than that. Yeah, I agree with you, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> thank you for going on that breakfast, me. It was it was delightful, and I don't regret it at all. And I'm going to go back and see. <laughs> Before we get out of here, Bobby Wagner, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been amazing. I need to get three quick recommendations from Bobby Wagner. What is your guilty pleasure show or movie that you're watching? All right. Well, let's let's not say that pleasure should be guilty. But if you're going to ask me something that I'm just not proud of loving, uh, there is a, uh, a show on Netflix that I have uh, binged over this that has – just blown my mind. It's called Blown Away. Have you seen this show on Netflix? No. It is no. a glass blowing competition show. So imagine Top Chef, but instead of making food, they're blowing glass. Oh, that and sounds fun. It is meditative for me, even though it is a competition show. Seeing the patience and the skill that these master glass blowers use to make beautiful works of art blows my mind. You know, I'm impressed by things that I have no facility for. So, yeah. you know, in general, my two forms of entertainment that I love to watch, I love to watch professional fighting, you know, boxing, mm-hmm. mixed martial arts, kickboxing, karate. Um, and then I love to watch professional dancing. Um, yeah. And this glass blowing kind of falls into that thing of something that not only do I have no interest in doing it, I know that if I tried, I would fail. Uh, but to see masters doing it so well is amazing. So, so my kind of, if I have to pick a guilty pleasure, it would be blown away on Netflix. Right. Cool. What is the hidden gem show or movie that you love that may, people may not know? Okay. I'm going to tell you right now that if, if you want to see something hilarious, it will make you laugh. I guarantee there is a show on Hulu called Letter Kenny. Uh, it's a Canadian oh, show about I've this, seen the trailer. It's this little hick town in, in Canada with 5,000 people. And, you know, the only people that live there are the farmers and the hockey players and the meth heads and the born again Christians. And this show basically, you know, follows these groups of people as they deal with farming and drinking and fighting and church and meth heads. And it is the single laugh out loud funniest show I've seen in years. And it's very easy to watch them. Uh, And they have I think their sixth or seventh season debuts on Christmas on Hulu, but you can go back there. Letter Kenny, it will blow your mind. It is so well written. And, uh, I think the writing just blows doors off of anything else on television right now. I've heard several people tell me that. So I'm going to have to get on that. I've seen the trailer and it seems really funny. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. What I'll tell you is that give it at least one full episode. Uh, the only thing that can put you off a little bit is those Canadian accents that they have. Are yeah. are very thick to get through, but once you get into that rhythm, 
it, it's fantastic. And, and it just makes me think about people who have taken, uh, you know, English as a second language or something in France and then watching Hee Haw. You know, it's like it's one of those things where it just takes you a minute to kind of get used to the to the dialect before you can really enjoy it. But sharp as hell writing. Wow. What is your spirit animal show or movie? Well, it, it's not current. And the only place I've been able to see old episodes of it are on YouTube. And they look like hell because it was before HD. But my spirit animal show is Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn. Oh, um, yeah. Great. Do you remember that show? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So it was a, a like a comedy political panel show on on Comedy Central for a couple of years, hosted by Colin Quinn, and the show was equal parts political commentary, political humor, and roast. And yeah. that is kind of where my spirit just sits. I love busting balls. Mm-hmm. I love having my balls busted, and I love talking politics. And yeah. so that show still sits with me to this day, even though you go on YouTube and you watch it and the political stuff that you see now, you go, Oh my God, we were worried about that stuff. <laughs> that was nothing yeah. compared to what we've been going through the last few years. Uh, these, that, that show spoke to me in a way that no other TV show has ever spoken to me. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, what I remember from that show is that Colin Quinn did not give an F. No. You know? He was just like, he would go at anyone, and I was like, okay. So I can get, I respect that. Thank you for those reviews, Bobby Wagner. I appreciate them. If you guys would like to get more Brentfast stuff, such as pics of Bobby Wagner and I enjoying our Brentfast from Mendocino Farms, go to my website, brentpope.com. You can list all the Brentfast episodes there. You can see clips from all my TV appearances. And finally, a Brentfast store with a bunch of fun stuff, shirts, mugs, stickers, masks. It's all there, people. People of Earth, I bring you this show for free, but it's not free to make the show. So help us keep this thing going by picking up something from the Brentfast store. You'll be glad you did. On social media, you can hit me up on Instagram at scoopspope. Give me a follow, and if you have a breakfast question, ask away. Make sure you follow my Facebook actor page, and if you like the show, please subscribe, leave us reviews, share it with your friends. Breakfast is being enjoyed all over the United States and in over 30 countries covering six continents, the latest, Romania. And trust me, my omelet hombres, we are just getting started. Special thanks to my editor, the one and only Rosemary Brown, for all the breakfast slicing dicing. Yee, much appreciated. Big ups to my studio engineer, Daniel Erickson, for making me sound so good. Woo! <laughs> Bobby Bogner, what is next for you, and where can we find you on social media? Well, next for me is a vaccine, right? <sighs> Let's hope so, man. Let's get it coming. Um, and then I swear to you, man, I just want to get out there and start playing again. I miss playing yeah. so much. But for now, you can see pictures of me in a mask, pictures of my kid, pictures of food, pictures of booze uh, on my Instagram at Bobby Bogner, B-O-G-N-A-R. And the same on Twitter, same on Facebook, at Bobby Bogner. Excellent. Well, Bobby, it's been nice. You know, I will say one of the cool things that's happened during the quarantine is that you and I, since you've been to my house and it's just been, you know, we're, we're just doing like one-on-one things now, people. I've got to know you on a different level, and that's very cool. And, uh, yeah, that's one, the, one of the only positives I can take out of this whole quarantine other than us trying to take uh, advantage of new opportunities and trying to diversify ourselves and be grateful for, for what we have because we have a lot here in this country. That's you know? right. So we're the lucky ones, Brent. Yeah. Well, Bobby Bogner, thanks for coming in. I could have done, we're going to do this again sometime because I could have done a whole nother hour with you. Oh, thanks. Well, anytime you want me, you got me, uh, especially during quarantine. 
because otherwise I would be on the uh, couch screaming at the television. <laughs> and with that, we put another fins up episode of Breakfast with Brent Pope in the old to go bag. See ya. Go fish. <laughs>